Did you get one, Tiana? Tiara. I really love Tiara. Okay, so the princess's crown, Tiara and Tiana. All right, James, come on up front. That would be awesome. And James, let me give you one of these too. Um, Brooke and um, Matthew are both graduating, and it is really awesome. And um, these are Jean and Zinni's kids. And the cool thing about the graduation is it's on a weekday, which is kind of odd, but it's at noon out at the Civic Center. But then they're going to invite their family to come back here for cake and Rachel and just some light foods. So Rachel's setting it up where, and I am going to need some help from a few people. I did, yes, I definitely am going to need some help because I did ask Denny to get me some pictures so we can do a slide presentation just of the kids growing up. Not like something that, not like what I did for Mother's Day, just you can input them all into a form and they just go through rotation. So that would be good. But praise the Lord. So keep your mind open for that. But we can still have Kingdom Fit because Kingdom Fit's not till six. So I think that'll be good. So anybody who wants to um, uh, exercise their tennis ability, but you need to bring a racket. And it would be great if everybody, now I do have some extra rackets. I don't know if you have extras. I have about, I think I have four rackets, but. <laughs> huh? You can wear shorts. Tuesday. This, this is this Tuesday is the graduation party here at two o'clock. This coming Tuesday. No, tennis is going to be six o'clock on Tuesday still. There's no reason to cancel it because if one's at two and the other one's at, you know, four. Now, Carrie's tennis courts only has two courts. So that means one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight can play. I need to know really how much are coming. If not, maybe we'll go out to where Kim lives. There's more courts there. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, worst case scenario, I'll check out, um, I'll see if Savannah Quarters, because we're a member of Savannah Quarters, and they're clay courts. Well, they had one, two, I think they put two more, they might have four. So I need to know how many people are coming to play, so I can work it out, you know what I mean? But if you guys get me a number, then we'll look at the location, because nobody needs to know the location until then. But if you don't have a rat, do you have a racket? Okay. Okay. Um, do Carl and Mamie have rackets? Okay. Do you have a racket, Chris? You don't have a racket. How many rackets do you have? Do you have a racket, Kenrick? Yeah, you can swap out the rackets. That's a, if that's the. Yeah, praise God. Yeah, that my I'll I'll check into it if we do that. But I just we do we, I will need a count. You'll have to give us a count, but that'll be fun. Praise God. Did everybody just like love on God today? Yeah. All right. Did everybody praise Jesus? Did they really acknowledge him today? Because the, the the most important thing that God wants us to do is to include him in everything first. Do you know your true first love will be your last? Do you know what I mean? Your true first love in Christ will be your last. It is awesome. The last person we see when we leave this earth is we're going to go up and descend unto Christ. Yeah. And so our true first love will be our last. Isn't that a beautiful statement? I was reading that in my notes because it reminds me we get to enjoy people while we're here on this earth. But the most beautiful thing is the love of God and how much he really has us. He wants us to be so in love with what he does. You okay? Who's in the kids' room? Okay. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. All right. So I get excited about that because every day I grow in the spirit of the Lord, I get in every day more and more about how much he really does love us and how much he really is the almighty God, the sovereign God the one in charge of everything. There isn't anything in your life that he doesn't want to step into. Have you invited him? And, you know, we've been talking about the baptisms, the different baptisms. And the first baptism we receive is when we accept Christ in our heart. 
And, 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 and what baptism, I think we read, um, I don't have that note sheet on that, but it is an overflowing feeling of something. When you plunge yourself into something and you believe in something and you immerse yourself into something, that's a baptism. So the baptism of Christ is the first one we experience. And it's so emotional for us because when we receive his love at the time is when we don't deserve his love. And that's what he's trying to get us all to be Christ-like, to walk in his love so that people can receive love from us that don't what? Deserve his love. Man, if we can keep get that rotation, and we are raised in the Babylon world here. We are in a world where we, it's a me, 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 I, I, I. And what's going to be in it for me? Well, there can be nothing in anything for anybody until they have given it to God first. Do you know anything that makes me happy now and like gets me excited if it's a love song or what it is? The first thing as I do is I sing it unto him. I give it to him first, even before I bring it in the teaching. You know all those love songs I play in my teaching? Well, all those love songs go to him first. And then I put it out to the people because I have to have my experience with him before I can ever have it with the people. And so, and that's everything we do. Now, as we come into our revelation, our awareness of Jesus Christ, do you know as we start walking it out, we've got to be open to recognizing what is it that we are without God? I talked yesterday in, um, in Train to Reign about what the word antichrist really means. And anti, we think in the world means what, Kim? <laughs> right. That's the worldly definition. It was awesome because she said it yesterday was against God. But that's not God's definition of an antichrist. An antichrist is somebody who puts something else instead of Christ in it or to have something without Christ. That is, we all have a measure of the antichrist spirit in us. Oh, come on, laugh. I mean, we all have this unbelief, a spot where God doesn't have in our life. Even though we worship him and we praise him, he, that's what we do, the sift, shift, and lift. Because we have to figure out what area in our life is Christ not in. And you know what? The area he wants to work on you is the one that's tormenting you right now the most. Whether it's family, job, um, friends. Do you know what I mean? Um, those are the things, how you communicate with your mom, your dad, or wh whoever. Wherever your most frustration is, that's the place where God is going to do his miracle. You have to be open to know that when you transition from being anti, that means without Christ in an area of your life, and now you invite Christ in, you've just set the wave of, of, of trials. You've just set the wave. Because why? That is an honor when conflict, trial, and trouble comes your way. Because why? You are changing out your altar in your soul. Your altar is now not for yourself, not for self-worship. Your altar is switching into Christ worship. And that's the difference. Our altar in our soul is a self-worshiping soul. Everybody's soul is born that way. When you accept Christ in your heart and, the, and the, the Christ enters in, now your soul's being renewed not to think anymore of self, but to think of another. But before you can ever think of another, you got to get it aligned with Christ. So... Tonight, we're going to talk about the water baptism. Last time, we talked about the Christ being formed in you, accepting him in your heart and what happens. But today, we're going to talk about the water baptism. What is the purpose of the water baptism? What does it mean? All right. We're going to start with 2 Corinthians 3, 16, 17. I love it. Praise God. That baby, that little poor boy, he will not cry anymore when he gets his daddy. Yep. He is not. He'll be sitting in there and he'll be and he'll be that he is crying for the daddy God is sending to her. So it is beautiful because that little boy doesn't really have an active father. And that's the blessing she's going to that boy is going to receive is a true father to throw a ball, catch a ball, discipline him. <laughs> Tell him when to sit. <laughs> it's cute. Remember, God wants to fulfill the place we have a lack. Yes. That's the thing. and it's the, But the first place of lack 
is the lack of him. You fill him in that spot, you are on the path for him now to bring it to you on this earth. I'm going to tell you, I love Zechariah reading it. It's 2 Corinthians 3, 16, 17. I loved it when um, Rachel showed me that book in the fire of Zechariah. Zechariah really reminds us he wants to do good to us. But there is no good unless it's through Christ. That's the most powerful statement. People walked by faith, but then they had to go through Christ's faith to receive the things that God has in their, our lives. That's the only way he can back up his word. He can only back it up through Christ. You get it? We have to go through Christ. And that's what the most important thing. That means everything in our lives has to be submitted unto him. I drive people crazy in this building when I say, what did the Holy Spirit tell you? You have to give everything through that. Then you can start talking to people and know who your godly counsel and what it is. But it's going to be really important that you cover Christ needs to be involved in everything. Okay, so water baptism, first verse. But whenever a person turns in repentance to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. Now, I want to break that. That is really awesome. That means when you recognize that spot that Christ is not in, that you are without Christ, when you realize that one area that you have the anti-Messiah, that you actually are working against Jesus because you didn't include him. All right. So once you get that one, whenever a person turns in repentance, now let's talk about repentance. Repentance is when you recognize you can't do it anymore. When you recognize that, oh my gosh, I have sinned against God by my wrong thinking. And then you actually break and you give it to God because it, you realize it's not within my power anymore. I love Jesus because he, God set it up. And I loved it. But Carl, I mean, um, uh, Kenrick brought this verse today. God set our shame so we could have repentance. We're all born into a world of sin. So we will have something to what? Repent. We are born by water, by a womb, right? We come out like that. But then we have to accept Christ in our heart in another level. But it's going to be through our repentance, something in our shame that he wipes away. That he could only do it because he came and died for us. It says, once you break, I love it. Whenever a person repents to the Lord, you break to him, not to me. You're going to break to him. Everybody's been in the fetal position on their bed crying about something. I don't care. Everybody, we're all old enough to already have experienced it. I don't care. Even if you think that you were no one calling to God, you were calling to God because he sets those moments up. He sets those moments up. He is working it. He is working it. He is working it because he's going to build his throne in you not your throne of yourself. He says, at that moment, boom, the veil is stripped off and taken away. That means that lie lifts up. When If you are broken enough to recognize the sin, and remember, the sin is always going to be the area that you are without Christ. Do you know the area of sin that you are without Christ manifests a moral sin? See, we do it, the, we're on the world and we're looking at everybody's moralistic wrong, More, aren't we? We can see where people are going wrong. But in Christ, okay, he says, the sin is that you didn't have me in it. Yeah. That's the sin to Christ. And when you don't have in it, it puts you in a position that you what? Now you moralistically sin. You get it? Yeah. This is where that... That is the outside manifestation of sin. When God wants to show his glory in an outside manifestation of his blessing, when we repent, break, and then the veil, we recognize the lie. And the most important lie we realize is he was never in it. Yeah. <laughs> he was never in it. Yeah. If we can recognize, oh, I was without Christ in that move. Then you start breaking down because Christ wants to be with us. He's already in us. Man, that's the first, that is the first miracle. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Full of his what? Riches and his blessing and his inheritance. 
It's already a seed not open in you. Now, you know, when you accept Christ in your heart, this is what's so awesome. When you've accepted Christ in your heart, it doesn't mean you turn around and do everything perfect. It just means that you have, you're more convicted. That Holy Spirit tells you when something's not right and you feel that conviction and you know it. And then you got choices to make. That's when you're choosing. Am I with him or am I without him? Do you know what I mean? I loved it when Gene said one time to me, he opened the Bible and he would see a verse. Well, he didn't want to focus on that verse because <laughs> that means he'd have to do that verse. <laughs> well, I joke that I laugh at that myself too. I remember, I remember every, we're in a world of gossip. We're in a world of gossip. I remember when this ministry before it closed down, there was so much gossip going on. Every time I would walk in the room, I could feel it. And I heard, I heard the beep, beep back away from the bus. That's the first time I heard that beep, beep. Back away, because he said, that is not what you're going to be involved in. And let it happen, because it was stirring. See, sin has to come to a full pimple that pops. Right. So, hey, when it pops, then it can heal, right? Okay, then it depends on what, hey, hey, as much as you irritate it, it's not going to heal. (laughs) How many times have you all pipped a popple, pimped a (laughs) popped a pimple and you just kept squeezing it like you thought there was more in it (laughs) how much more of that sin can you squeeze out i watch rachel do it rachel stop touching your forehead stop it because she's keeping it alive okay god wants us to step back re-invite him in don't touch it and see, that's a hard thing. Everybody's had that problem of something they couldn't touch, whether picking a scab, popping a pimple, whatever it is. I try to pick simple things to help you relate it because we want the veil to be stripped off and then it's stripped off first. Then it's what? Taken away. Now, if he knows, if your heart is right, and I, this is, let me tell you, this is a beautiful group of people. I have watched James, Kim, Kenrick, Carl, Mamie, Chris and Tori, Marvin Spring, Tierra. I have, I look at that flow. That was anointed. When I'll tell you, I have watched things get revealed, stripped and taken away. Everybody's already experienced something in here, but in the taking away, okay, that's when the enemy wants to come and get you off the plan. When you're actually experiencing the taken away and how do you know you've done it? It's like the pimple, trouble, turmoil. You, you got to take senior pictures, but you got pimples on your face because you've picked them all week. You know what I'm saying? You can't keep the old alive. You've got to go towards the new because in the breaking, when he takes it away, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Right. Freedom. That means emancipation from bondage. That means you actually won't go back and do that same thing again. You won't go back and do it. You're free to even, hey, a male, anybody who's ever had problems with prostitution, right? You know you're free when you can walk into a, uh, Gene says all the time about Carrie. He's going to send Carrie to the strip club. Do you know what I mean? Any man that's been broken, but they can go ahead and walk into a strip club and minister to people if they're called, you're going to be free. You're going to be free in a sinful environment. That's what God's trying to do. Purify our soul so we can be in the same place that we once were, but we're there now to change it, not to participate in it. And that's so powerful. So the Lord is the spirit. He wants to be the spirit, the throne in our heart that tells us which way to go. Don't judge. Just do. What are you saying? You speak. Second Corinthians breaks it down very nicely. Second Corinthians, and everybody knows this one. Second Corinthians 5, 15 and 17 says, Second Corinthians 5, 15, and then you can go to 17, but it's not through. I don't think it's through. It says, but, oh, 5, 15, uh, 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 15. All right, it says, and he died. I love this. Man, Christ died for all of us. There is nobody out there who God doesn't want somebody to pass by and open their heart 
to Christ. So that those who live might live no longer to for themselves. What did I say? We got to take down that throne of self-worship. Things move faster when you start letting it break down. Self-worship. Me, me, me. I, I, I. You see when people are suffering with me, me's and I, I's because they're feeling like they're not appreciated. They're feeling offended because somebody didn't notice their work. They're feeling, and there's nothing wrong. It takes time for that throne as it was built up until you came in these doors. Now it's time for that throne to come down. It's time for the enemy to stop prostituting our good hearts of love for Satan's plan. It's time for that to be done. It says, because he died for all of us so that we can no longer live for ourselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. Isn't that awesome? He just didn't die on the cross to die for us. He also was resurrected back up to the father so we could live a resurrected life. In the resurrection is when we receive the good blessing and inheritance that he already has predestined for all of us. When you get something in your heart that you just want so much, man, that's the big thing he's wanting to give you. But you've got to say, only you can do it. I can't do it. You can tell me, you can give me a laundry list of how great you are and your job and why you deserve the raise. But if you haven't given it to God and he didn't tell you how to do it, then that piece of paper doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. It means something to you. Come on. And we get so nervous with evaluation, don't we? How many times in a job do you get nervous because you're being evaluated? Because in the evaluation, you know one thing's going to happen. You're going to get the raise or you're not going to get the raise. Do you know what I mean? And so that evaluation makes you feel so good if it's good. But you actually fear going to receive it because you've already decided that that's going to be punishment or blessing. When Jesus says, I already came and I live for you. I died for you. I was resurrected for you so that you could be raised up in the same process. Man, one lady I've been ministering with, she said, I got my evaluation coming up and I know it's going to be terrible. And I was like, and it was in like two weeks. And I said, well, you better start giving it to God because God can change that around if you invite him into the situation every day. And so, and the first thing she told me, she's late to work every day. So, and it was crazy that morning before I had dinner with this person, the Lord gave me and Peter about how the first thing you need to do is honor your boss, whether he's in Christ or not. If he says you need to be work on this time, then you need to be what? Work on that time. Especially when you're getting paid by the clock on things like that, or you're a receptionist and your job is about technicality of time. Thank God mine's not on technicality of time. <laughs> I'm like kidding. When I was a school teacher, I had to check in at 7.30 every morning. I mean, like, and I was on time, but boy, I just remember the nervous, like, ah, I'm going to be late. But this person's a good half hour late. You know what I mean? But I said to them, you, how about you change that behavior and you honor God's word and let's see what your evaluation turns out. And do you know, she got her to evaluation and she did. She would text me every morning. I'm on time. I'm on time. I'm on time. But I didn't get mad at her because she wasn't on time. I was just encouraging her, right? To yield to the Lord's word. Not to my, you bad girl, you're not on time. I gave her the word of God. You know, let me tell you something. You want to see resurrection happen in your homes? You apply the word. And I don't care. Everybody has either a, a regenerated spirit, little pilot light clicking in there, or they have a void spirit who really wants to hear the truth so that Christ can enter into them. You know, when I gave Rachel up at 13 and the Lord said to me, now you can only raise her through me. Oh, I didn't understand what that meant. You know, the, it is so serious. I cannot speak to Rachel except for through a verse. She may not know that the word is a verse, but I see it. I watch her eyes. I see when the enemy comes and I see when the, the light in her starts to flicker. Because we are to respond. We are responsive people to his word. We're already set up to receive the word. Even a lost person is because a lost person's looking for the truth. They're making their own truth because they're looking for the truth. So isn't this awesome? So consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point. That means you have already given up your rights to judge each other. 
I am not to look at Tori from a human point. I'm not to look at Chris, uh, uh, Kenrick, anybody, James. I cannot look at anybody from my human point of view anymore. Because why? If you are elevating in Christ, it is not your job to be judging them. Now, can you encourage somebody with the word? Yes, but don't do it as a hand slap. All you have to do is just speak it in love and truth. And guess what? Something's going to react. Something's going to start churning up here. Churning, churning, churning. I want you to think, you know how, have you ever seen, I love it, a wheel within a wheel. Do you know when a wheel is churning like this, but then there's a wheel on top of it going like this, and as this wheel turns, this wheel turns, turning, turning, turning. That's how the spirit and the soul work. Think about it. When the wheel is moving, now the soul starts dialing out. It starts moving. Something's getting tilled in the soil of the soul. And when you really receive it from a person that's not judging you, you it's open flow. Now, I want everybody to think hard about a time when you really told somebody what your opinion was. That could have a percentage of the word, but because it had the voice of you behind it, that person rose up and got angry and didn't know how to handle your conversation. And then usually the, hey, it's like tennis, right? Now the next one comes back, right? And they come back with the same strength. Now it's feasting, human viewpoint to human, vantage point to vantage point, human point to human point. When he says, consequently, from now on, he knows we're still going to mess up on that. We estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value. We need to, we need to measure everything up by the word, by the Lord, by the spirit of God. We already saw in the last verse, what did the last verse say? It said, to the Lord, now the Lord is the spirit. That's what should drive us. The Lord is the flicker of light, that first fire in there that should be driving all your moves. That's why when the spirit and the soul aren't touching, it's confusion. It's confusion. They're not working together. They're not working together in a cycle. It says, no, even though we once did estimate Christ from it, we did estimate Christ from a human point of view. And as a man, yet now, now that we know Now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. Isn't that awesome? Now we can actually enter in and break in to another measure of relationship with him. And then he actually can use us to draw another in that cycle. Isn't that important? Isn't that beautiful? Man, it is the love of God being formed and transformed in us is a beautiful thing. Because if we take and heed these verses and we meditate on them, we actually start becoming them. And then when we become them, then you help somebody else become them. It is so awesome. I, you know, I love the word of God because it does, it bears witness with us, right? We go, duh. (laughs) It bears witness because we were already created by the one who created the word. I mean, all right, Matthew 3, 13, 17. I love it. Isn't this awesome? It's beautiful. So we have to remember, you know, our first, the first breaking is our repentance. And in that breaking, we realize we've really judged some others and we need to be changed and turned around. It says Matthew 3, 13 through 17. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. Now, this is awesome. There was a way that God already put in place about baptism, and even Jesus had to go the same run. John the Baptist was ahead of him, already baptizing people in repentance. Repentance is the first step. So when people started hearing, hearing, repent, for what? For the kingdom of God is at hand. That means something started stirring in the atmosphere, and it drew people to be drawn to John the Baptist to be what? baptized. All right. But then that baptism was for repentance. So now Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John. John was born to do what? 
to in- introduce the baptism of repentance. He was, tra- he was born to go before him, to be baptized by him, lowercase. Isn't that awesome that God even set it up for Jesus, that Jesus would still have to go to John to be baptized in the Jordan. And it says, but John protested strenuously, having in mind to what? Prevent him, saying, it is I who have need to be baptized by you. See, John even said, whoa, hold up. You're the more important dude here, not me. You, I need I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Come on, think about it. But there was an order God was putting in place. He said, Jesus replied to him, permit it just now, for this is the fitting way. I love Jesus. Jesus comes in and he snaps in order. He is going to snap in an order. But Jesus replied to him, permit it just now, for this is the fitting way for both of us to fulfill all righteousness. That is, to perform completely whatever is right. Then he permitted him. See, it's not about who was more important. It's not about who carried more of the glory. It was about what God already placed in order. Isn't that awesome? I mean, God already said it that John had to come and announce about the baptism of repentance. But the moment he actually baptized Jesus in that same order, Jesus is going to come back and do what? Baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So he had to go through the same rotation as we did. I mean, I love God because there is nobody that's going to be put on such a throne. The only person who deserves to be put on a throne of honor is Jesus. And even that, he takes, he takes, he takes the back seat. And he does. And he sits and he yields to the Father. And he knows what it's like to work as one in two. And then in three, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. A true threefold movement that moves as one. That's all he's asking us to do. If you think about it, we have to go to the Holy Spirit. And in our prayers, we bring it up to Jesus. Jesus communes with the Father. We get, we get to break through Jesus. Imagine Jesus there. We have to come through. You see how my fingers go through? Things have to go through a process. There is nothing. We just don't get shot right up. We have to go through certain steps. So it's beautiful. It says, and when Jesus was baptized, he went up at once out of the water and behold, the heavens were what? Open. When order's in place, heavens will open. That's all we're trying to do is help everybody get the discipline of order in their life. And then God's going to do the miracle. We can't do the miracle. Our job's to help get the order in place. All right. And when Jesus was baptized, he went up at once out of the water and behold, the heavens were opened and he, John, saw the spirit of God doing what? Descending like a dove and a line and alighting on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my son, my beloved in whom I delight. Let me tell you something. The moment we're broken in repentance and we allow ourselves to be baptized, there's a time where you can choose. If it, we're going to have another baptism coming up this year. And we, our baptisms are very strong. They're so powerful. If you've been baptized before, that's great. But there's a baptism in the true understanding of repentance. It means when you immerse yourself down, you are lifting yourself out of that water. And God is looking down upon you. And he goes, if you really are going to be converted and really living for me, he is going to open the what? The heavens. And he looks down and calls you his son, his daughter. And, and basically, he's, he's saying it very nice. This is my son and daughter who I what? Right, delight. The Father, I'm going to tell you, the Father wants to give us all good things if we're willing to let ourselves be what? Broken. Then immerse yourself. in, And then when you lift out, don't you feel good lifting out of that water? You feel the power of God just coming down, pouring upon you his love of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I know that we've had some excellent baptisms. Who's been baptized in here? Kim, and it was awesome. It was amazing. You guys had it together. I remember it was amazing. Marvin and Spring get off the party boat, right? They, they're, I say their own party. They were celebrating. They just got married. They literally get off the boat and get baptized. I thought it was, I never, I mean, I was baptized when I was a baby. Because in the, it, I love this, in the Catholic Church, and the Episcopal Church, they have you baptized when you're born, and you're not choosing it. See, here's the difference. We choose to be baptized and to be converted. That baptism should never be taken lightly. There is people that Jesus knew that he needed to go to John to do it. So we should never be taking that lightly. When we do that, we're doing that from our heart. And when you do that and you lift up out of that water, you know, I'm telling you, he's going to keep you to what you've done. He is not going to let you go. He is going to hold you to that. And you know how you feel when you start pulling away, right? Right? We feel edgy, edgy, edgy. Go to Romans chapter 6 and go, let's go one verse at a time. Well, let's go four and five first. All right, Romans chapter 6, it says, We were buried, therefore, with him by the baptism into death. I think that's awesome. We were what, everybody? Buried. Buried. We were, is that spelled right? Bird. Sorry. Therefore, with him by the baptism into death. First. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we too might habitually live and behave in newness of life. Man, that's awesome. What he's trying to say is we are first just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the power of the Father. So we too might habitually live and behave in the newness of life, the second baptism. When you go down, then to go up, you are coming up in the second baptism. You are now in your second phase. You can accept, we already talked about accepting Christ in our heart, but the baptism is an outward manifestation. It's a statement that you're making that I am going to be immersed down, to be lifted up, to now be in a new life living for who? How do you know you're living for Christ? You're putting him what? First. It's no more, you, when you recognize the Antichrist in yourself, you should be submitting it to him first because you've already promised him in your water baptism that that's what you're going to do. Now, how many churches are teaching that about the baptism? So I, I see a lot of young kids in these churches getting baptized because why? It's the thing to do. These older kids, they've got tubs in churches, Right. That's a serious decision that you take and you actually make a physical manifestation representation of it. It's got to come from your heart. You've got to want to do it. And that's where I, I, I never asked Rachel to do it. Rachel didn't plan on doing it the day she did it. She decided, okay, I'm doing it. And then she said, I wanted the dog done too. And it was cute. The dog sat on the edge of the pool watching everybody get baptized. And at the end, Jean was so kind. Because I told Rachel, don't, do not bother Gene about baptizing a dog, you know. But then he said, let's have the dog. It's on video. It's awesome. It is beautiful. They immersed the whole dog. But you know how much that meant to her? That meant something to her. So it's awesome. It's a newness of life. Isn't that beautiful? Go to the next verses. Go to 6 and 7. It says, we know that our old, unrenewed self. Now, see, this is what's awesome. We may self-worship ourselves but we're doing it out of an unrenewed self. Because when you come to Christ and you understand and he starts unveiling the mystery of why he died to you, then you don't want to live for yourself. Every layer comes off and you want to live for him. And he says, self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the what? Instrument. Remember I was telling you, you can actually, the sin is not is doing something without Christ. If you are born again, working out your salvation, growing in him, the sin you miss is doing it with him. Having the faith that he wants to do it with you 
And how do you know then? You end up manifesting a moralistic sin on the outside. You become an instrument of sin that might be made ineffective and inactive for evil that we might no longer be the slaves of sin. And that's what we want to do, right? We don't want to be that instrument. Hey, when you get angry at somebody, if you start talking about somebody, gossiping out, you are murdering against them. When you say, I am not, that is not Christ. I'm going to meditate on these scriptures. I'm going to become the word. And you start meditating on them. Trust me, every gossiper is going to come to you. Because when the enemy sees you're trying to make the change, it's the enemy's job to keep you enslaved in sin. When the power of sin was already broken, when you accepted, the moment you accept him in your heart, it was broken. But let me tell you, you take it to another baptism level, when you actually immerse yourselves and lift up. Now, I want to tell you, as you start going on that, he will open the heavens. He will help you to do that. For when a man dies, he is freed, loosed, delivered from the power of sin among men. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you ever think, I can't get this right, you think about the day you got baptized. If you haven't been baptized in our ministry, sign up to be baptized. It will be an awesome, the power of God that falls on that baptism is so strong, you will be reminded about, wow, we even had one, one year, this was so awesome, Will brought his sister who started reading in the word here and there, reading in the word before she got to the place. She wasn't coming to get baptized. But something had her start reading. And when she started reading, do you know what happened? She started crying because we teach before we baptize. We teach. She actually started crying. And when she cried, she said, oh, I want to be baptized. Let me tell you something. When she walked up to the plate of the pool to go in, wasn't it amazing? Another level of God's glory came down because she came freely into that pool. She knew she was taught. She wanted that. The tears, that was it. It broke up and people, people wanted to be baptized who came that weren't supposed to be baptized. Isn't that beautiful? That is the glory of God landing in a place so that he can get his truth out. And we're there to support each other. If we see you lift right back up, guess what? We are here not to judge you by a human viewpoint. We're here to walk it out with you. And see, that's where the, we don't have enough people sticking to the plan. Sticking to the plan. He says, last verse, eight. Last verse. And what's the time check, guys? Okay, we're almost done. It says, now, if we have died with Christ. I, okay, this is cool. We believe that we shall also live with him. If you have died every layer of death that happens to you, you have to believe that you are living with him because you could have never gone throughout the death without him in you. The Great Commission tells us, therefore go, make disciples of all nations. That means of all different types of people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? We actually... We, there is no, I'm going to tell you something. I was saying this this morning. When you recognize that when you have children and your job, that's your first, that's a, that is your assigned for you to keep growing up, but to grow them up too. If you don't have birthed children, there are children everybody has in the spiritual realm. As you mature up, God still expects you to make a disciple. He expects you to share your revelation with another. Help and other breakthrough understanding. And so, believe it or not, we prep people. We, you, you're going to meet people that already have Christ in their heart, just don't know about that they're supposed to remove their old character, increase their new character through a process. People aren't going to know that. The Great Commission is we speak the word, they come forth. We keep speaking the word, they come forth. We keep growing up in the word. We keep growing up in worship. He brings the people. And he brings just the route and that number for you to be successful. Now, I, I'm going to put this out there. He brings a number just enough for you to be successful. And then when Satan gets it into it, he's bringing you a number you can't handle. He is bringing a number. God cares about quality more than he cares about quantity. 
but your voice can feed a multitude, thousands of people. But then, I love it, the fire, right? But then what happens, what happens, I mean, think about it. We are so blessed in this little remnant because God wants it so quality that every layer of quality that happens, do you know we can handle a double the people? Because we have double the people solid in it. Hey, first it was Gene. Gene said I was the first person to break through into the realms that he broke through. But then what happened when two? Now we have, look at all the ones that are breaking through now. We have a next layer. Carrie, do you know what I mean? Chris, Todd, um, everybody who's sitting here, you've come in at this next layer. We have just enough to handle what we have. Do you know what I mean? Now they get that secure. And now God's going to send another realm. And that's how a true church of Jesus Christ got built. Not in a building. The 12 got sent out. They got dropped on. Now that's what we're going to talk about. The, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what we're going to talk about next Thursday. This one was water. This is when you just say, hey, I'm living for you. Okay? It, the water's not magic. <laughs> the water's not magic. It's the second birth. It's the second. It's your commitment and, and you, you demonstrate it through the water baptism. If you haven't been baptized and you're fearful, I guess I'm not ready yet because I haven't been baptized. Don't wait to the baptism. Start confessing these verses to him. He's going to come right to you. Then when it's time for us to have baptism, jump in the water. Do you know what I mean? He's still going to meet you where you're at. He's still going to meet you there. Well, I've had people say, oh, they check those people. Oh, I haven't been baptized. So they think they can do nothing until the baptism in September. No, don't, no, that's not it. Keep going, keep going. Baptism, remember, everything's in the what? Soul, it's soul. We have outward demonstrations to help us. Jesus came to be, he came by demonstration. And the demonstration was helped to convince us of his power. Because he already knew we weren't going to believe it. (laughs) We were going to have to see it. Some serious, hardcore demonstration. So demonstration is very important to Jesus. That's why he actually, now come on. You don't think that he already had the fullness of God in him before he stepped into that water? No, but because of the order of his father. And he said, you will be baptized by him. See, order is important, but not order of the world. Order of the spirit. And so it's important. So when we have our, when we, we have our baptism, if you haven't done, if you've been baptized in the church and you want to do it again, you can do it again. We've had some people do it. I'll tell you the most powerful one too, before the one with, um, uh, Will's sister was Sheila. We had our first baptism, right? Sheila just came to watch her brother get baptized. Sheila is in church clothes, right? We did this. She came from her other church that she was going to. She's sitting there and you can see, you know, when Sheila hones in on something. I was watching Sheila. Sheila stripped off all her clothes. And she came in that water. She said, this is real. <laughs> Not the water. The presence of God was, was hovering over the waters. The presence of God was hovering over to the waters. That means he was there to come down and the heavens were opened. Now, isn't that awesome? When it comes from your heart, You've just opened up the what? Heavens. Man, I loved it. When Kim got baptized, she wa- it was from her heart. You could see God come down and descend on her. Yes. Now he was, yeah. Yes. On our cheeks pouring down. Yes. And uh, you couldn't turn it off. I'm trying to turn it off. I'm trying to. You can't. You, you can't turn you off You can't God. turn it off. Yeah. And it was so powerful. I yes. Mean, and then, then when you just go with it, it's just. You just, you just surrender it. to it, it. It was awesome. Yes. It really was so awesome. So it, it is beautiful when that happens. So whoever hasn't been to one, who hasn't been to one? Wow. Okay. This is good. We're going to just make sure we are going to be doing it. We usually do it in September. And then you just start praying to God between now and September. Do you know what I mean? And meaning because he will make it a special moment for you. They have been so special that, I mean, we didn't have enough people signed up to do it this year. But it's great when it's a group that's grown up together. 
and then they come in together, it increases the presence of God. Oh, I'm telling you, when it breaks out, it breaks out, and we break out into worship. There's a worship that breaks out that's holding back the enemy for keeping everybody because you really know that demonstration when you activate and step into that, God knows you mean it. He knows you mean it. He wants it to mean something to you. So I love how Jesus works in demonstration and showing us that because he even had to do it. That's why, I mean, Jesus loves us so much because he knows that he wants to change our soul and renew it into his mind. And he knows it's not easy. So when we do leave everything for him and we step towards these, he does that because he wants us to experience those same things he did. So I praise God. And even if you've already been baptized, you come again. Your support helps bring it because you can feel that you can be not even in the water and still feel the love of God being poured down on you. Look at Kim's reliving the experience. We praise the Lord. Praise God. That is, that is the presence of God. You know, when we cry, that is the presence of God moving something out of our self. Every time he comes and we cry, he wants us crying from the, till the day we die. Do you know what I mean? Hey, the most beautiful thing is when a man cries. You know what I mean? I love it when a man is in his crying weak position because that says something about that man. He's willing to be broken, to be brought up in what God called him to do. And there is no man that, unless they're broken, will ever be brought up. You know what I mean? And so I just praise God, and we're just going to honor him. And remember, next week we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which that's a real sensitive that's a, that's a real, people need to understand the truth of that. So everybody understands this truth was established by Jesus. And remember, it's not that the water's anointed. It's really, it's really the order that's anointed and the heart of the breaking that's anointed. And you know what? And it does feel good to come up out of that water and to just feel like God's just shining his light on you. You know, it's awesome. So praise God. But remember, it's a soul move. It's a soul move. All right, let's just pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the commission that you have bestowed on us to move with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that you have given to help press us through these times of what we understand and we don't understand. Lord, refresh us all in your baptism of water and your understanding of how we live for you in this new life. So, Lord, we thank you for the new life that you have ordained in us. And we thank you for the desire for each and every one of us to seek you and him so we can get closer and know you more. Lord, I thank you for those who are laying down their lives, even in the suffering of the soul, as they're being changed day by day. Lord, let the old man perish and let the new man come through. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.